1: Welcome to an episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Recruiting Centric Podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tamnini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and National Recruiting Experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts and even recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined by Land Grant Holy Land Recruiting Columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, long day for you. I know you're coming in after uh, a long day of practice and school and meetings, but we appreciate you making the time to chat with us today.
0: Always enjoy our time together, so it'll be be good to talk some recruiting.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. We are now less than two weeks, I mean, really a week and a half away from the start of college football season, and with that, we know that a lot of high school recruits are actually already playing high school football. We saw week one, at least in Ohio, kick off last week, Um, so we will be getting a lot of, of great insight into what future Buckeyes look like and what potential Buckeyes look like on the field Coming up over the next few months, but Caleb, I wanted to start with something that at this point I wasn't 100% sure would actually ever happen. Ohio State finally got a commitment for their 2023 class. I know you wrote about tight end Ty Lockwood uh, on Friday and we'll link to that Um, in the show notes and in the article at landgrantholyland.com. Ty Lockwood is um, the number 142 player in the class. Like I said, he's a tight end um, out of Tennessee. What can you tell us about him, and why should Ohio State fans be excited about him being the first player in this year's recruiting cycle?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it did take a lot longer than you would expect. I mean, I can't ever remember, especially at least in the modern recruiting era, I mean, how fast paced things are it seems i can never remember waiting this long for you know a current cycle to to see its first commit but tie Ty, ty's a good one and to be able to go into tennessee once again just shows how national the brand of ohio state is and especially with a tight end prospect i think it just goes to prove you know they can really click and hit on all position groups that they want to i mean for so long you've heard you know all the things about the tight end position well they don't throw to the tight end they only run block blah 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 and you know Ty Lockwood is not just a run blocking tight end. This guy is six foot five, 230 pounds, and he is literally used in his high school offense, split out all the time as a deep receiver threat. So, you know, once again, it's a great home run hit by, you know, Kevin Wilson, uh, Tim Hinton, and obviously, you know, Ryan Day, of course, involved with with that as well, too. Um, But to get Ty Lockwood in the fold and and to be the first, you know, it's a great addition for the class and, you know, the ground starts and hits running with, you know, one of, you know, the top national guys as a tight end. I mean, eighth best tight end, like you said, overall, I and mean, that's not something to scuffle at. So he's a great addition. I know, you know, obviously was one of the uh, top targets Ohio State had had at that position. And, you know, with Benji Gosnell decommitting in 2022, it does make you think that there could be a second tight end you know, brought in this 23 class. So obviously very early to, to be able to say that, but they had to, you know, in, in the 22 class with Benji and Bennett Christian, but, you know, Benji not being a part of the class anymore. Uh, the pressure was on, you know, to get another tight end into the class fast, whether it was 22 or 23. And, you know, they've got their guy in Ty Lockwood and, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to put lofty expectations on him already because uh, it's not fair to put someone, you know, in yeah. that expectation. But Jeremy Rucker being, you know, the comparison, but Rucker is such a great, Dual threat tight end with how he can run block, but also, you know, just make incredible catches and, and tie as that vertical receiving threat as a tight end. So, definitely a good addition, like I said, for for Ohio State to get him in the fold.
1: Yeah, he's a big dude. I mean, he's 6'5, 225. So, even though, you know, you think 6'5, 225 is not huge, but he's like, he, he's only a junior at this point. He's got time to fill out. You'd have to imagine with standing 6'5 that he could be a really kind of imposing pass catcher uh, as well as blocker uh, on that line for, for Kevin Wilson at the tight end position. We've heard a lot this year, especially recently as uh, as Ohio State beat reporters have gotten a chance to watch a lot more of practice about how not only has Jeremy Ruckert, who is potentially the best tight end in the country this season, uh, but Cade Stover's also been used a lot this year as they kind of start to vary their schemes um, without someone like Justin Fields, who has uh, a, a ton of running potential at co- the quarterback position. C.J. Stroud, we've seen him break off a few runs in his time, but like it sounds like they're starting to vary up their schemes and finally, after decades of Ohio State fans wanting it, really start to use the tight ends in in their offense. When you looked at what Ty did, and like you said, he can do a little bit of it all. How does the fact that Ohio State is getting more, a little bit more open into how they use? their tight ends impact these recruits, especially committing early? As I said earlier, you're a high school um, a coach and you talk to guys who are being recruited at whatever level they're in. How much does the scheme changes impact where these guys want to go to continue their their careers?
0: I think you hit it right on the head. I think scheme is such a huge part of recruiting. I mean, you're not going to go somewhere where you can't play right away. I mean, obviously, there's there's differences with position groups. I mean, offensive linemen a lot of times, especially at Ohio State, are late developers. You know, they're. I mean, re- rarely ever do we see you know a first year start at Ohio State on the offensive line. I mean, I think Michael Jordan was the last one to do that, and that wasn't because he was incredible. And you know, no offense to Michael Jordan, I am a Bengals fan, and you know, yeah. I'm praying that he does well this year. But The whole reason why Michael Jordan started as a freshman was because they didn't have great depth and they they had some misses in the recruiting cycle. So, you know, for position groups to be able to come in, you really want to fit that scheme. And I think you kind of hit on it right away. I mean, Ty fits the scheme right now that Ohio State is running. When Meyer was here, Urban Meyer was here you had the H back was truly a different role than what a typical H back is. And H back really isn't, you know, some shifty slot guy like a Percy Harvin or, you know, Curtis Samuel An H back truthfully is a big bulkier guy that can do things in the pass game yeah. and do things in the run game as well, too. Usually a lot of time, um, you know, from a coaching Standpoint and scheme related, your your H back is technically like your Y position group. I mean, there's X receivers, Z receivers. Your Y is typically your H back type of guy. And he doesn't always line up, you know, outside. He can line up on the line. He can line up behind, you know, the line of scrimmage to help in the blocking game, that type of thing. So for Ohio State to be able to get away from urban Myers H back where it's, you know, is truthfully, you know, shiftier guys that have speed and start to recruit some of these bigger type of wise and tight ends. That is perfect for Jeremy records of the world. That's perfect for, you know, Ty Lockwood that's coming in, Bennett Christian, you know, a lot of people think he's mainly just a blocking guy, but he's said, you know, over and over again, how much he's worked on his past catching abilities too. And obviously, you know, we'll see that in the 2022 class whenever he does arrive, you know, to Ohio state, but Ty obviously fits this scheme for Ohio state. I think he has to see what, you know, the coaching staff has done with a guy like Jeremy Ruckert, who is a vertical pass threat, obviously, and, you know, probably fell in love with that type of role and thought, you know, he can be the next dude to, you know, continue that trend and you know Ohio State's proven that They're going to use Jeremy Ruckert as much as they possibly can. I mean, they've got a bevy of options on the outside when you think of all the receiver talent they have, but they still did use Jeremy Ruckert last year, and he made some high-impact catches. I mean, you can go back to, you know, the 2019 Big Ten Championship game. You can go back to, you know, last year against Clemson. Jeremy Ruckert has been, you know, a pivotal part of the offense, you know, not just in the pass game, but also in the run game. So I think Ty, like you said, with that big frame, you know, five, he's going to be able to put on some weight that, you know, he's going to be able to do some things in the run game but obviously still you know be that vertical threat too in the pass game.
1: So let me ask this from a coaching perspective. If you have um you know as you kind of talked about the tight end being the wide receiver there, as we've seen <laughs> Brian Hartline has no chill when it comes to bringing in like the best recruiting classes in the country. So if you start adding in a pass catching tight end, obviously someone who can do both the blocking side and the catching side. How does that impact what you would imagine the coaching staff is going to do with the wide receivers? Does that change how you use maybe a slot receiver um, like we've seen Ohio State do over the last few years, which where Garrett Wilson was for the most part last year, although I think he'll probably end up outside a little bit more this year. Does that um kind of change how many wide receivers they run out there obviously this is all conjecture but just from like an actual x's and o's coaching standpoint how does having a a little bit more of a pass catching tight end change what you do with the other pass catchers you put on the field at any given time
0: i I think it's really just an addition i mean you kind of look at the nfl and you have the travis kelsey's of the world i mean that guy is so talented You know, as a tight end, I mean, he can do it all. I mean, he blocks well in the run game. He is such a dynamic threat, you know, in the pass game for the Chiefs and and just does an incredible job of getting open and creating separation. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, that a tight end can bring to the pass game is just the ability to be a mismatch for a defense. When you get a Jeremy Ruckert of the world or a Travis Kelsey of the world, and I'm using obviously, you know, primo examples, but when you get those type of players, it can just open up so many avenues from an offensive standpoint, because really, especially from an RPO standpoint, you can have those guys blocking and then release and get in the pass game all within the same play. I mean, you can have them block down. That opens up pass game on the outside for your slot receiver, or even your outside guys, you can have them, you know, delay where they're obviously blocking a tackle, you know, defensive tackle or defensive end, whatever the scheme may be, depending on how the defensive line is stunning. And then they can go ahead and, block down and then all of a sudden release and be in the pass game again. So again, it's just a mismatch thing. In my opinion, if I had a tight end like that, you can pretty much have whatever you want them to do. Uh, you know, in terms of do you want them on the line, you know, tucked in at the line of scrimmage and be a vertical pass game, you know, between the hashes. If not, you can have them split out wide. In my personal opinion, I like my tight ends inside just because typically your outside guys that are covering are a little bit faster. Tight ends can obviously have speed, but I don't think they're going to be near as you know quick as the outside receiver. Yeah, so I course. like to have those guys inside, you know, going against outside linebackers, going against linebackers and coverage you know, and I don't want to hit on a soft or a sore, sore topic, but I mean, we, we see how tough Borland can, you know, type those type of players can cover, you know, defensively. And again, tight ends are just mismatch type candidates. And again, you can really just do a lot of things from the past game with them. And I think Ty Lock, Lockwood will be that type of player. I mean, being six, five, I mean, how many linebackers do you know that are six, five, not many. Yeah, so, no. I mean, that's, that's obviously a mismatch right there in and of itself, but Ohio State, like you said, you hit on it right on the head. I mean, they have such a bevy of options. They don't even really need to use Jeremy Rucker that much in the past game, but just have the ability to do so. And, you know, he's come up big for them several times.
1: We're getting a little bit off the recruiting side of this conversation, but I have one more X's and O's question for you. With the emergence of the tight ends being a little bit more involved in the passing game, whether that's Ruckert and or Cade Stover this year, and maybe even uh, uh, eventually uh, G Scott Junior. or G Scott Junior. Is it G or G I, I can never G-G remember. G Scott G yep. Scott Junior. That makes a lot more sense. Um, do you think that we're going to see? As much twelve personnel as we saw last year, um, we saw a lot of it um, with with two tight ends, but they were used more in blocking. Do you think that will that with guys who are able to catch the ball and, and make you know contributions in the passing game, um, we'll have more of that grouping, or is it going to go down to one at a time and and maybe see them used whether it's in on the line like you
0: said, or maybe maybe even letting them split out a little bit into the slot. Personally, I think Ohio State last year used two tight ends because they had two dynamic tight ends. I mean, Luke yeah. Farrell was such a good run blocking tight end, but he was also no slouch in the past game as well, too. He had, you know, several instances where he would come up big on third downs. I can remember several where he came up big on third downs and you know needed to move the sticks. In my opinion, I think this year, Ohio State, is even deeper at receiver. I mean, they don't graduate Chris Olave. Obviously, everyone knows that. So to have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the outside automatically, I mean, you're almost insane if those dudes aren't on the field for every play. Now, realistically, they're going to still have a rotation, but those guys are going to get you know as many snaps as they can handle. So, in my personal opinion, I think Ohio State will have more one tight end sets, um, especially this year, as in is in comparison to last year. I just feel like you know they're going to do things. on on that side of the ball with one really solid tight end. And that's not to take anything away from the Cade Stovers of the world or the other guys, you know, that you already mentioned, but Jeremy Rucker is their one dude that is proven. So you have already a plethora of receivers. You can go ahead and throw in there at any time. And plus, I really, again, think this offensive line is even going to be better than last year. So do you really need to bring in another tight end that maybe not be as great is what you have outside and receiver-wise in terms of talent comparisons and proven ability. So if you have those five guys up front that are probably even better than last year, being that Nick Petit-Ferrer, you know, Thayer Mumford, all these guys that are back that are another year proven. I just don't think you need to bring in another tight end, a you know, second tight end in those sets to be able to run block. I think they're going to be fine automatically. And being able to have another receiver on the field rather than two tight ends tucked in, it's once again going to spread out the defense in coverage. So those run lanes and those run avenues are going to be you know plenty big already. So realistically, they've got every ability to do whatever they want and it's I mean I feel sorry for defenses this year I mean as long as they can keep I don't I don't you <laughs> know I don't either that's <laughs> true but as long as they can keep CJ Stroud upright which seems to be no problem at all behind that kind of an offensive line uh, I don't think they're going to have any worries at all so it'll yeah. be fun to watch but in to answer your question overall I think we'll see more one tight end sets this year than the two tight end sets we saw last year.
1: Uh, look, I am most excited about that uh, that offensive line featuring DeWan Jones. Uh, there, grief. like, what a freaking mountain he's going to be! And like fact, a
0: legit six seven.
1: Yeah, and, <laughs> unreal. And, and, like, and the fact that they moved Thayer Munford after an All American position or after, uh, after an All American season to a new position to get him in the line that says a ton about how good he must be looking. Uh, right. So I'm excited about that. Okay, so you mentioned C.J. Stroud. Um, he has been, you know, Brian Day said he's the starting quarterback for Minnesota. Look, he's the starting quarterback until he loses the job, um, which I honestly just don't see happening this season. But we've talked about on this show uh, before, and, and people have written about it on Land Grant Holyland. With the reclassification of Quinn Ewers, that really throws a bit of a monkey wrench into the recruiting plans for Ohio State at the quarterback position. It changes some of the timelines. Um, I don't see them. I mean, they're clearly probably not going to add another quarterback for the 2022 class. If things happen and one or two of the backups uh, end up transferring, they might get one via the portal. Um, But one of the guys that they were really kind of counting on as being the next recruit at the position after Quinn Ewers, because it would have been two years removed from Ewers in the 2022 class, is Jaden Davis. You're writing a piece uh, about him that'll actually be out a few hours after this podcast is out. What's the deal with him? I mean, is Ohio State just gonna like put their eggs in, in his basket like they were kind of planning on doing before Ewers decided to, to join the class of 2021? Is That's a two-year gap without adding a big quarterback, but he's a stud and they really, really like him.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the quarterback room, it, people tend to get a little bit worried and they're like, you know, freaking out about this transfer portal. And in my opinion, yes, you can always worry about the transfer portal. And obviously, you never want to lose someone to depth. I just I, I go back to the point of think about the abundance of riches they have. And you can't go wrong because whatever dude wins the job, they're there for a reason. And they're probably, you know, the best quarterback in the totally. country. And if it's Quinn Ewers in a year from now, if he beats CJ next year, or if, you know, he steals the job two years and CJ, you know, leaves after a two-year career like Justin Fields, Ohio State is in a really good position, regardless of who is under center, because of how well they've recruited. You hit on it. The 2022 class does not need another quarterback. I don't even know. I don't even know who they would go after. I mean, Drew Aller is a guy that has been rumored. He's a committed guy to Penn State, but was, you know, obviously someone Ohio State was kind of backtracked on because they had Quinn, but he's an in state Ohio kid. I think that ship has completely sailed. It's too far into the game. He's already a leader of the Penn State class, and it's a good Penn State class. I mean, Ohio State's is obviously, you know, better, yeah. but it's still a good Penn State class. So I think that ship has sailed. I think 2022 is done and needs to be done. You don't need any more kicks in the kitchen in that class level or you know to be that young in 2023 we'll see in my personal opinion again that would be kind of a stopgap year for me i would let quinn ewers develop i would see what happens with cj stroud you know kyle mccord is still a five-star quarterback you know what does what happens with him does he you know fight for the job or take over if something happens to cj stroud you know god forbid that happened this fall There's several things that could happen. I mean, in 2014, we saw it. It took three quarterbacks to win the whole thing. So you just never know. Crazier things have obviously happened. 2023, for me, I would prove that to be a stopgap year. Get a guy in the transfer portal, someone older and get a veteran. And then in 2024, have that be Jaden Davis time, just like you did for Quinn Ewers. Put all the chips in. Go get the best guy. And the cool thing about Quinn Ewers, he's the number one rated overall recruit. He's a top quarterback, of course, being the number one rated recruit. And then in 2024, Jayden Davis is the exact same thing. So you've already proven you can land the top overall player who is also a quarterback with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis calling the shots of the quarterback room. Go do it again in 2024 with Jaden Davis and you know let that be kind of your calling card. You know, we can get the biggest and best recruit in the country. And we can also develop them into, you know, whatever they come out to be, you know, in terms of a first round draft pick, whatever it may be. So I think 2024 is Jaden Davis being the biggest target. I don't even think it's a question um, that he's their biggest target. He's the only quarterback they invited to their summer barbecue in July. That includes a 2023 class. So clearly that says Ryan day, Corey Dennis, and, you know, even, the rest of the staff are pretty much set on Jaden Davis being the guy in 2024 and we'll see how it goes he's already been up to Ohio State twice so they've they've done a really good job making sure that they've set the tone with him being that he is only a you know a high school sophomore but you know all bets are off now they've done it once with Quinn we'll see if they can do it again with Jaden Davis in 24
1: yeah i mean i think at this point for as long as Ryan Day is in Columbus there's no reason for Ohio State not to become QBU. I mean, Absolutely. with with what he's proven he can do with three different quarterbacks, not only just three different players, but three completely different skill sets um, with, with JT Barrett. When obviously he was the offensive coordinator, uh, then with Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, those guys all immensely talented, but all very different quarterbacks um, and now you throw in a guy like CJ Stroud who has similarities to multiple guys including you know Justin Fields but a very different guy uh, as well and then bringing in Quinn like I just can't imagine Ohio State ever being in need of, of quarterbacks, unless something unforeseen happens, like you mentioned with, with an injury right. or something like that, there are going to be transfers. I can't imagine that, uh, all four of the guys that are currently in the room stick around for, you know, for three, four five years, uh, sure. all of them, someone's going to leave, but they all knew that going in. I feel like all of the guys that are there knew at some point someone was going to transfer and they were willing to take, the the chance to be a competitor and see if they could force other guys out. So uh, I'm excited about Jaden Davis. So what what is it about him that makes him the number one quarterback in that class and number one probably with a bullet on Ohio State's board?
0: Sure. Yeah. I think. I mean, I have not talked to Jaden Davis personally. I would love to, you know, get you know contact with him and just you know talk to him about what Ohio State. Brings to the table what he likes about the program, what it is about Ryan Day. You know, I mean, we we see it time and time again with these quarterbacks. They're you know basically in awe of what Ryan Day does, and it it speaks for itself. It's his development, it's the way he is with his players, it's the fact that he's got a track record now. I mean, it it's the whole package. But you would love to get an inside scoop of you know what it really is about Ohio State that they're able to sell so well. Um, but in my opinion, I think Jaden Davis is the number one overall recruit from one standpoint of uh, how immensely talented he is on the field. He can make the throws. He he doesn't have, you know, a world beater arm like Quinn's arm yet, but again, he's a high school sophomore. That dude is playing his sophomore season right yeah. now. He is going to have a full season this year, next year, and senior year. He's got 3 full years of high school ball to continue developing. For him to already be that successful as a high school freshman, obviously quarterback is that, you know, all important position, so I think that helps you know, being one of those top players in the country. I mean, the recruiting experts are always looking at, you know, defensive ends running, running back is not a, a prospect or a position that usually has a ton of, you know, first round draft pick type of status. They go for the positions, you know, that are the money makers, the offensive tackles of the world, you know, the quarterbacks, the defensive ends, the corners, that kind of stuff. So I think Jaden, Clearly benefits as well from being in a position that's again the most important on the field. But the thing I like about Jaden the most is how mature he is. I listened to an interview with him and and Jeremy Birmingham of Letterman Row a couple of weeks ago, and just how mature he sounds as a 15 year old. It's unbelievable. I mean, that kid like I felt like I was listening to a a young man that was, you know, in his mid twenties or even his—I mean, even older than that. Like he's very, very well wow. sought out and well spoken. Just really impressive. Um, every question he was, you know, asked, he answered with tons of, you know, courage and respect behind his voice. It was just really impressive. I mean, as a coach, uh, myself we deal with high school kids all the time. And, and I'm very fortunate where I coach. I've got some great kids. Um, but just I, I listen to Jaden talk and I'm like, this is a kid that is just above and beyond the years that he is actually, you know, how old he is. It's it's very impressive to hear him talk. So I would encourage those to, you know, find find time to listen to Jaden talk and, you know, kind of how he dissects himself as a player and, you know, what he's looking for in the recruiting process. He's a very impressive young man and obviously, you know, can do it all on the field as well, too.
1: Obviously he has a ton of time until he has to make a decision uh, right. as to where he's going to go. Um, but in your reading and, and listening to him uh, talking stuff with Berm, did he give an any indication on his timeline or is he just kind of, kind of let things play out for the next couple of years? Or is he somebody who wants to get in somebody's class early?
0: Well, I look at his profile and I mean, he's only got nine offers to his name and I I know that sounds like only nine offers. I mean, that's still almost double digit offers and the kid's only a sophomore. Like we said, I mean, offers from Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon. I mean, just the the list goes on from top programs. It sounds to me like this is going to be one of those where you could see a decision, you know, as a junior, maybe he takes a full run. I I didn't hear him say anything about an early decision. I mean, I'd be almost shocked if a sophomore is going to commit. I mean, that's, you know, for, for a coaching staff, it's very hard to keep a kid committed and in that class, regardless of who they are. I mean, to keep someone in the class for, you know, upwards of two, two and a half years, that's gotta be difficult to do. I mean, I'd have a lot of sleepless nights, you know, as a head coach or recruiting coordinator, trying to keep that type of caliber player in the class for that long. I mean, it almost seems like, you know, it'd be, you know, nearly impossible, but, in my opinion, I think Jaden will probably be one of those kids that because he's mature, he understands the recruiting process. You know, he's he's already seeing things kind of unfold before his eyes. He's been on campuses of these big time programs. In my opinion, being the quarterback, I think he's probably gonna want to be one of the early ones to be, you know, the leader of said class that he chooses, whatever school he chooses. I mean, I would think, you know, as a quarterback, you want to be a commitment early yeah. on that can help build your class. So I think, you know, probably a junior year. Um, prediction for me would be kind of what I'm looking at. I mean, you see that a lot of times with quarterbacks, they will commit before their senior season, that type of deal, you know. So they can be that voice in their class. So wouldn't surprise me at all, uh, you know, if that's the route that he goes. But yeah, I mean, this will be this will be a name that Ohio State fans will probably grow tired of hearing about, you know, for the next several, you know, several seasons. Um, just not if he commits. He's very, very. They won't yeah, exactly. be
1: tired if he commits. They won't stop. Uh, they won't stop oh, yeah. talking yeah. about his name. Yeah, he's yeah. a
0: very, very talented young man. I would. I would highly encourage people to watch his film and again, you know, listen to him because he's, he's a, he's an impressive young dude.
1: Awesome. Well, looks like we've got a couple years of fun, uh, uh, following that one, but, uh, Caleb, I think we'll wrap up on that question. As always, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Lands, The Dotted Line. Caleb, thank you for joining us. You're joining us once a month moving forward. Always love the insight, love the conversation. Um, if you are finding this episode on landgrantholyland.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now that we're getting close to the football season, believe it or not, we're going to be turning out like 13-14 podcast episodes every week so you want to make sure that you are signed up and, and following us on whatever platform you get your podcast so you do not miss a single thing and also don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at Grant 33 and you can find me at Matt Caleb where can people find you on Twitter?
0: First and last name with the number nine, so Caleb Hauser nine. Always happy to talk recruiting with anyone that stops by. We've actually had a couple people that have done so, and I always, you know, enjoy trying to answer questions the best I can. So really appreciate those that have reached out.
1: And and our Cincinnati Reds are in sole possession yes. of the second wild we, card
0: spot. So we uh, would be remiss if we did not mention since last time <laughs> we talked, I, I had some, I had some growing pains, and and those are. Those are starting to settle. We're a long way to go, but you yeah. know, thirty-six games to go, and we're you know finally above the Padres. I can sleep well tonight knowing that tonight's an off night for our Cincinnati Reds. So, got the
1: Brewers this week, so that'll you be know, fun. It'll be a but tough one. <laughs> get through that, uh, you know, with at least one win in the series, and I'll be happy. So. absolutely. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.